This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Covered in Pet Hair, a boozy show for pet lovers on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Zarada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a holistic dog trainer that specializes in dog drama. I will tell you all about him and introduce you as soon as we come back from these messages from our sponsors. Here's an alarming statistic. More than two-thirds of dogs and cats have oral health disease by the age of three, and one of the indicators is bad breath. Do your pets have a healthy mouth? Do you cringe when it's time for a kiss or a snuggle? Let's get to the cause. Harmful bacteria in their mouth. And bad breath is just the start. The bad bacteria cause tartar and oral disease, which can lead to serious overall health problems. It's critical to make sure your pet's oral health is the best it can be, as good dental health is key to optimizing their overall health. Now, good news. It's easy and affordable to improve their oral health with Probiora Pet. Just one scoop of this dental care probiotic mixed into their food daily floods the mouth with positive bacteria, which crowds out the bad. This means better oral health and fresher breath. Probiora Pet is an all-natural dental care probiotic. It's odor and taste-free, so your pets will still enjoy their chow. We want to keep your pets healthy. During National Pet Oral Health Month, our listeners can save 10%. Go to probiorapet.com and use PLR10 at checkout. That's probiorapet.com. Use PLR10 at checkout to save 10%. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a pet parent, a behaviorist. He's a dog trainer and a Reiki master. He's an animal communicator, an author, and a coffee lover. He is a true world traveler, born in Greece, citizen of Austria. He's a permanent resident of the U.S. and currently lives in Eugene, Oregon. He's married to Barbara Buck, a well-known energy healer. He is dog dad to three senior dogs, a Chihuahua named Misha, a Chinook dog named T-Bone, and a Cane Corso named Muggsy. He's a lover of holistic products for both humans and dogs. He is the founder of Roman's Holistic Dog Training. He is Roman Gottfried. Welcome, Roman. It's so great to have you on the show. Hi, how are you guys doing? Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm thrilled that you're here. I want to get into what holistic dog training means. Talk about dog trauma that I think is going to teach me a lot about myself somehow. But before we do that, I will uh, introduce our drinking game. So anybody participating in our drinking game today, anytime you hear this word. The secret word is environment. Make sure you take a drink of whatever it is you're enjoying. Please be sure you're of age, wherever you're joining us from, please do not drink and drive and always drink responsibly. I know you're not a big drinker, Roman. So what are you having today? Well, I just finished my apple cider, local organic. Um, so we're good. <laughs> nice. Good. That's a good option. I wasn't sure uh, what I should have to talk about holistic 
dog training. And I told my husband who does not know what holistic dog training is. He's very excited to watch this show and learn. And he said, what is holistic as far as cocktails are concerned? And obviously alcohol is not very holistic at all, but I tried, I made a grapefruit gin and tonic. Prost. <laughs> hello, hello. Thank you. Prost. I made a grapefruit gin and tonic with a grapefruit flavored tonic and obviously just a little uh, Bombay Sapphire gin. So cheers. Thank you for being on the show. Prost. Bust. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I always introduce this show with a game and I want to play a game with you. That's pretty much going to lead us into our discussion about holistic dog training. So this game is called, is it holistic? Are you ready to play? Go ahead. All right. So really, I actually don't know much about what makes something holistic dog training and what is not. I know a few things that are not, so I snuck them in here, but I'm really excited to learn more about what tools you use in holistic dog training. So here we go. First one, a vet visit before starting a training regimen. Is that considered a holistic dog training practice? Uh, right. Yes. Wonderful. Shock collars. I'm shocked. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. Using herbals in conjunction to training, is that considered holistic? Yes, but there's a little but. Some herbals are to be considered under supervision with a professional. Just because it's herbal, just because it's holistic, we just don't pour it in a glass and drink it. Very true. Some people just assume that because it's herbal, it's light and it's not potent, but it certainly right. can be. What about the use of pharmaceuticals? Could that be considered holistic? Yes, again, under circumstances, because sometimes there are acute situations that we need to deal with. And I would say medical approach, like with the Western medicine, would be a reactive approach, integrative approach, where we see different options and versions and adding food to the equation would be an active approach. And then we have a proactive approach. So I'd say yes, but we don't want to be always reactive. We rather be active or proactive. Wonderful. Okay. Prioritizing socialization during puppyhood. Is that considered holistic? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. No. Yes, here's why. Because before we go social with a dog, the dog has to have a secure attachment with his caregivers. So we have a puppy. We just got it from a breeder. We just got it from a rescue. It's young. He doesn't have a clue. It's just being disconnected from his parents, from his family, whatever he was bonded with. And then if we take that dog or this puppy and threw them to social settings, all we would get is a trauma. Now, if you don't have secure attachment, where would the puppy look out for help and support in crisis? If you don't have that secure bond, the puppy is basically exposed to strangers in strangest places, dealing with strange situations, it's gonna shut down pretty quickly. So we call it over-socializing. Too much of that cause basically negative emotions and that we, in the future, will pop up at some point in different places we don't want. Aggression towards strangers, aggression to places, aggression to dogs, leash aggression, and you name it. Wow, that is such a fascinating answer. I love that. Okay, considering a dog's mental and emotional well-being while observing their behavior, is that considered holistic? Yeah, of course. That's basically what we do. First of all, we need to understand a dog's mindset before we actually do anything. All right, perfect. Sending a dog to his crate when he's done something wrong. Holistic? Nine. Nine. <laughs> all right. Letting a dog sniff as much as he or she wants during walks, is that holistic? Depending on what you're up to. If you want to call from point A to point B and get the job done, 
Not really, because it's just somebody gets frustrated about it. Holistic means both have fun. So we can let the dog sniff. Let him sniff. One second, two seconds, three seconds. Okay, let's move on. Let's go further down the road. However, sniffing is an entertainment for the dog. It's kind of reading the newspaper, having a coffee or a drink. So we have the puppy to have that enrichment. And of course, we have to have loose leash. So if we want to do it right, let the dog sniff. Then let's move on and let's teach him. Let's go to the next spot. And you become the source of that newspaper next page kind of thing. Oh, I love that analogy. Yes, I love that so much because I do. I'm kind of a goal oriented person. So if I'm just kind of letting my dog sniff for too long, I get bored. So I want it to be a mutually enriching situation, right? Right, right. Wonderful. Okay. This one's a really, I don't know the answer to this one. I told my husband and he was like, I don't know. I'm looking forward to finding out. Teaching a dog commands and cues like place or sit. Is that considered holistic? Depending which one you mean, because commands and cues are different. Take a drink. <laughs> a oh, bro, you don't have to ask me. <laughs> drink it, right? Or pull the plug. That's a command. Right. A cue would be roast. Ah. Makes sense? Now, yes. then we have conformity. I drink, you want to drink. It's your choice to do it. And then we have compliance. Everybody drinks. Well, I guess I have to drink too. Now, when we work with dogs, there's no reason in a relationship to give commands, right? However, my dog is on the street. I need you to come to me. I using my parenting power come to me because here it's safe and there it's not. So there is already a relationship established, so commands are not necessary. Yes, that makes perfect sense. I love that. Okay. Observing a dog's body language. Is that holistic dog training? It's part of it. If you see my finger, do you know how I feel emotionally? No. If I put my finger in my mindset, do you feel different of how I feel emotionally? Mm -hmm. So the finger in itself doesn't tell you anything. You have to see the context of it. You have to see where the finger is, what the finger does, what the other parts of the body do. If I say that English right, right? Grammar killer. So we have to see the dog as a walking billboard of emotional information, right? So we have a whole picture constantly changing every second. So that's body language, but that's an emotional state. The dog expresses himself based on how he behaves in the body language in the context of the space he's in. So the dog may sit in front of me, the dog may sit next to me, the dog may sit away from me. It's all sitting, it's a specific body language, but in the context it's different each of those. The one is connected, the other one is disconnected, the other one is ignorant. Wow, interesting, wow. That's holistic. <laughs> I love this so much. So how do you describe holistic dog training to a client that might call you for help with their dog? Well, holistic dog training is a, it's a philosophy. It's a way of doing things. If I'm not in control of my emotions, I will not be able to control my dog's emotions. So it's a constant interactive way of communicating with your dog and living with your dog, making choices for your dog, with your dog, with yourself, and be aware constantly how your dog feels in a relationship. So it's nothing different than we live you and me with our partners, with our husbands and wives constantly. Are we holistic? If I'm lying, no. If I <laughs> don't ignore, if I'm, you know, making my own choices without asking my partner, that's not holistic. And if I'm not healthy to my environment. So it's me, my dog and my family in relationship to each other and to the environment. I cannot be holistic if I don't care what kind of soap I use that is tested on animals. It's that holistic? No, right? And even if I'm not vegetarian, even if I use meat, are the animals that I use 
slaughtered, killed, sacrificed? What's the situation? So we're not perfect. We try to be as good as possible to our environment. Our emotional footprint is as important as our carbon footprint, our plastic footprint, our lead footprint, our energy footprint. I need to insulate my house. I close the blinds so my dog doesn't get cold. This is all part of it. And when I buy a carpet, I want to make sure there are not toxic synthetics in it because my dog would suffer from it. I have my Wi-Fi device closed at night because I don't want my dog to be exposed to this micro or ultra high frequency energy. So yeah, that's what holistic is. And training is part of it. But training, unfortunately, it's kind of a word where people understand because I would say dog parenting, people like, I want training, right? So dog training is the whole thing that is between me and the dog and his environment. How can I make my dog's environment as complete and as, as healthy as possible so the dog can reach his potential? That's holistic training. I love that. And I agree with you. There's a big, obviously, con controversy is, is pet parenting really parenting? And I have four dogs before I had my two young children. Now I have two young children and three old dogs. But I always thought if you're doing it right, pet parenting is still parenting. Just like if you're doing it right, children need parenting 24-7. <laughs> parents need parenting. They have a parents with Alzheimer. You have to parent your parent. This is true. So we, we parent... It's not something between a parent and a child. It's a way of giving people help and support and care for people who cannot care for themselves. So my dog cannot go shopping. He cannot go on his own in his bathroom unless I have a doggy door. And plus, he cannot call the vet and make an appointment. I have to parent him. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Okay, so tell me, what is not considered holistic dog training specifically? Can you just give us some examples? Anything that is connected to non-consensual and I'm not meeting a sexual practice with a dog, right. obviously, but non-consent, picking up the dog without his consent, feeding him inappropriate diet that I can afford, but my dog cannot handle, right? So there's, there's a slippery slope there. So I don't want to feel somebody health or feel bad because he cannot afford the good food. I can only afford as much as I can, but in my mindset is as healthy as I can feed my dog, period. Then, especially how I care for my dog, how do I provide for my dog's hierarchy of needs right the whole hierarchy of needs and i can help i can give you later a link so you can share it with your audience to understand what the hierarchy of needs are make sense mm -hmm. and everything in that should be in the best and highest good for the dog and our family but just because it's a dog our family doesn't come first because our dog is family Right. And yes, I will bring my kids to the to the doctor. And yes, I will get my dog to the vet. Who gonna be dropped off first? Whoever comes first right. on that road, right? I'm gonna drop off my dog with the vet exactly. is no closer, right? Um, I don't have kids by the way, so <laughs> my apologies for those who turn their eyes backwards. <laughs> so tell me, what does science say about holistic dog training? What science? What does science say? Is holistic dog training even studied? Is it something that we have studies that support? Well, holistic dog training is not studied as a study. However, it's a sum of all the studies that we have right now confirming that holistic dog training is a healthy approach because we include healthy nutritional approach. We include healthy and non-toxic approach as much as possible, right? That includes integrative veterinary we include homeopathy, we include energy work, we include any types of 
I would say science-based, yes, but some of them are not. Reiki is not science-based, but we confirm slowly, slowly that there is a quantum field, right? We know that, and we can affect quantum particles. Well, Reiki is nothing else than putting an intention on something that's going to change. Reconnective healing is part of it. What else do we have? We are putting intentions to a training. Again, we're back to quantum physics. Um, we do trauma release with dogs. We check in on trauma. We use methods that are already scientific proven working with children, children with autism, children under five years old, because they emotionally are similarly developed. A dog, an adult dog, has the emotional capacity of a five-year-old. So why not referencing there, since for the last at least 50,000 years, we grew up together. Cultures before us died with their dogs. Right? We went to conquer countries with our dogs. We, we praised dogs, you know. The Native Americans basically said dogs were here before humanity came here. So there's all these options available. We cannot just forget about it and ignore it just because we want a pet. I'm not the antipetist, okay? But I feel we shouldn't see the dog as an entertainment or enrichment toy. And I don't want to have somebody to think he can get a dog because he cannot get a friend, right? We want a dog because we feel attracted to that species and we give him the best option available. And we're having in the concept that if we need a dog, we will take somebody's dog away, right? Some dog mom is missing their puppies. And just because it's common doesn't make it okay. So I would prefer people go to the shelter and help dogs who are there trapped in these unhealthy conditions, put legislations in place to stop puppy breeding for profit, right? And that's already starting the slippery slope because some people need specific breeds. So we need breeders, but all of them have to be conscious what they're doing and having in mind that the dogs that we have should be close to the environment they were bred to be okay i cannot have a husky in, in in alaska is fine but having a husky in phoenix it's kind of weird just because i like huskies doesn't mean i have to make huskies there i don't want to go in that down the road right now <laughs> i agree with you on that though that's funny because i live in el paso texas right now i mean it's so hot here i mean it's beautiful most of the year and then we have three horde horde months and then i grew up in miami and i see huskies in both places all the time and i'm like why why in the world did we right, bring right. these poor dogs here i totally agree with you and you actually touched on dog trauma and i want to dig into dog trauma because it's a new concept for me i cannot wait to dig into this but we have to take a break right now let's listen to some uh, sponsors and we'll be right back don't go anywhere take a bite out of your competition Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Pet 
Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Zarada, and today I'm having a fascinating conversation. Can you see my smile? I'm so smitten. <laughs> I, I'm so excited to learn all this. It really is so fascinating because there's so many commonalities between dogs and humans, and I want to dig into dog trauma with a dog trauma expert, uh, Roman Gottfried, who's here to share about something that I really don't know much about at all. So we started kind of talking about it, and I want to ask you, how many, like, what is dog trauma and like, how common is it? Let me start that I'm a complex trauma survivor and I have trauma even before I was born. That was the funny part. <laughs> and over my years of existence, I had to deal with all these side effects of my trauma, including my pre-birth trauma. Now, how does it come with dog training? Well, understanding how trauma can happen and what the circumstances are and how we process trauma helped me a lot understanding that dogs in nature don't have trauma. They just simply shake it off or they die from it. So there are two versions. Either I survive it and I had a solution to my problem and I only have this memory of how did I get out of it. And so I will learn through the process. I'm not getting there again and I have a way to get out. So I'm just shaking it off all my pet hair that I'm covered with <laughs> and then move on, right? Now, if I made a mistake and I make a wrong choice on the wrong place, dealing with the wrong predator, I'm going to die. And so that mistake will never be transmitted to somewhere else. It dies with me. So naturally, we have a non-trauma evolution. And so we have a species evolution that species learn to survive more and more and makes them who they are right now. Now, how we got there where we are now, I have no clue. But anyway, they are in these confined spaces. This is where trauma kicks in. So we take a puppy away from the breeding pair, mama dog and papa dog, right? And it's happening again and again. Every time this mother has puppies, the puppy is being taken away from her. So she's not actually, she can shake it off. There is no physical explanation because of that. She didn't have to fight to survive and she lost the puppy. So she's like, okay, we lost it. So, but we saved the other five. She loses all of them every time. That's trauma. So next time she is born, she either handle it well or she doesn't. And then we have dog aggression when mother has puppies and we want to approach the puppies. And that information is going down the generations. So we have generational trauma. So we have those dogs who've been bred to kill, bred to fight. That genetics not only stays with the genetic information up to 17 generations based on science, but we also, also have, and I wrote it down, that field is being shared with all the individual species. It's a morphogenetic field that the trauma is being placed. Okay. So what we do against the dogs, that is being transmitted to that field in a memory. And so it goes down the generations. But not only the dogs that we're dealing with, also the other dogs that are from the same breed. And so when we do a healing process and we work on a trauma level on a dog, we want to make sure that all these trauma layers are being healed or in process of healing. So that in mind. So starting with a the puppy, then the next visit we will have at the vet's office could be traumatizing. After we overcome the trauma of transporting the dog from point A to point B, which is studied on elder people, we call it relocation trauma, where these people loses their home and end up in a clinic or something, right? Or 
you guys, and I know you guys are military family, you have a relocation trauma, moving from one place to the other, never know what's going to end, what's going to end up there, right? You have to leave family behind, there's fears and traumas involved. Dogs have the same thing too. So think how you feel about moving to a new place, you have no clue and leave other things and safe place behind. Then we have trauma going to the vet's office. There are strangers handling you, being poked, you being pushed, your ears up, you know, all these things. And if we're not preparing the dog for that event, being proactive, then we're going to have to be reactive because we have to force the dog to muzzle on. We have to choke the dog to stay in place and the vets to have to do magic dealing with this aggression. And so that's not healthy. So that can cause trauma. Right. And then because the puppy pees and the puppy is frustrated and it does mistakes, as you said before, people who says, well, put him in a crate, close the door, be done with it. And it continues and it becomes bigger and bigger because the more problems the dog has, the more trauma we have to cause to suppress the previous trauma. And then finally, we have people using a shock collar, a prong collar, a shake a can, like spray bottles, you name it, with vinegar, with lemon juice, as healthy as possible, likely, right? And then we get violent. We force the dog into submission. And it's a global problem. It's not just me or you talking about it. It's happening as we talk. And unfortunately, dog training and animal care industry is not really regulated. And we are in process to change that. But the way we do it, it's a little bit reactive. We go to the extremes. We say, because we cannot make upset all these people who use these aversive tools, we're going to tell them, use them as little as possible, as little as you can handle. I don't like that. So I like the industry to be regulated, but not with all these windows and closets and doors where everybody can sneak out. Right. So if I judge according to their system, if I judge that that dog is aggressive, I can use any tools available to me to make that go away. And that not taking in consideration the trauma that a dog has in its natural response to situations. And instead of coming in trauma-informed and says, well, my dog is triggered. Why would I punish him for that? Why don't I set up the whole thing differently so my dog doesn't get to that point? Well, that's right. healthy, right? Right. Perfect. And that actually brings me to my next question. What is a management tool that you use in addressing dog trauma? Do you have a toolbox that you stick to? Well, my toolbox is broad. It starts from energy work. It starts from having a proper assessment. I think the assessment is my priority on that list. People who schedule online with me and do a behavior assessment, it's um, basically an hour assessment. And that list they have to fill out takes them about 10, 15 minutes. And so based on that list, I already have an overview of what's, what we're going to talk about. Then in the meantime, I'm getting myself comfortable with the breed traits. What are dogs being bred for? What is the environment of that dog that lives in? And then all of a sudden, that becomes the information. It's kind of like creating a profile for a person that we're looking for. And we need to predict where we're going to be next. Where can I meet this person? Right. So I have to predict the possible behavior that can happen in the future and be there before it happens and make that a good experience. Does it make sense? Yes. Now, my tools, food, affection, facial expression, a good meaning, an emotion, these are good tools. Then I can, timing that is a good tool. Timing that feedback in a proper timing that is not delayed. You see, you were <laughs> like, what is he saying? But that was a delay. So I, I would say something, but you wouldn't get the information correct. So that would confuse you. So proper timing is important. Even if that is good job or not responding at all. So action equals non-action in a time of a value. So if I say something has a value, if I don't say something has also a value. 
me being passive and not responding to something is also a feedback. And that's a toolbox. Now, I use a regular leash to take the dog because that's the law. I have to comply to that. And I use a regular harness that doesn't restrict or constrain and make the dog feel miserable because a walk should be fun for both of us, right? And what's going to happen if a dog wants to cross the street? Well, yeah, he's going to end the leash. And then, then we have a conversation. The conversation would simple as, okay, how far did you get? <laughs> and he's like, not far at all. Okay, what do you do next? Try to pull on the leash. Good luck with that. <laughs> And then at some point, he says, well, I give up. Okay, well, we have another option. We can go in that direction. We can go in this direction. Which one do you like? This one is rewarding. This one is rewarding. That one is rewarding. Do you want to choose yours? It doesn't reward. And he's like, no, well, let's go with the other ones. So if you don't give the dog options to choose from, you cannot expect the dog to make the right choice. So my toolbox is also be proactive and educate the dog what's going to happen so he knows what to expect. If I knew that we would have fun having a conversation today and have a drink, I would make even a better drink. <laughs> and we had more fun, right? So information matters and information a good timing. And the attitude around that, you are a happy person, makes me be happy. It's kind of contagious. So if I'm miserable, my dog will be miserable. If I'm anxious, my dog will be having a specific behavior that's connected to mine. Because dogs, the way they function is they are so in harmony with their environment, including you, that you are connected with as a partner. So if you're scared, your husband will be protective. If your husband is scared, you try to be there for him and being protective. If somebody has a meltdown, somebody else is there holding space for it. And it's that's the same thing we do with dogs. There is no reason to use force or punishment or correction per se to get our way in, at the cost of the dog's way. I love that. I love that so much. I wish I could uh, have you come over and teach me how to be a better parent to my children because sometimes okay. I forget <laughs> I forget to give them those options you said. Give them the options so they always choose the right thing. I always forget that and I try so hard. But my little one, she's almost two and she sometimes doesn't like any of the options I give her. Does that happen with dogs? Oh yeah. And here's what I do. Good. Which up? What do you like? Tell me what you like. Let's make a deal. I do what you like, and then you do what I like. Oh. <clears throat> An example, we had a dog who he wanted always to go to the left because we wanted to go to the right. And it was always struggles. Leash struggles, leash struggles. The dog wanted to go over there, people, and the dog would be always like that. And I said, mm -hmm. you know what? Give your dog leash. Give him a 50-foot leash. Let him see how far he goes. And the dog did not end the leash. He had the freedom to go wherever he wanted to, to an extent, but it's more than it was before. And then he found out that far away from the handler is kind of feeling not safe. And so he came back on his own. Well, since you're coming back, let's go to the next place. And then we rewarded that choice. Dogs who come from difficult situations, dogs who are very energetic, dogs who want to explore, and especially that age under 12 months, they're so exploratory, just like children, they just want to do things. They want to be like mommy doing things on their own. Sometimes we have to let them explore that and be there when they tip over before they <laughs> land on hard floor. Mm -hmm. Like, see, I got you the pillow there so you don't hit yourself, but you had that experience on your own. So for the dog, you have to give that pillow of exploration. You go to smell that garbage bin, stinks, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you want to go to the garbage bin next time? Nah, good choice. And so... <laughs> You know, we, we give them that option to explore and not getting hurt. Explore and find out it wasn't really worth exploring. And then we're going to explore something else. And I think that works usually well.
I love that. Well, I just want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I know we could probably talk about this for hours, but I need to wrap it up. So here's to you and all of the pets and families that you're helping. Cheers. I so appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. And I'm going to drink because it's bad luck to toast and not drink. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to propose a toast to my executive producer, Mark Winter. Thank you, Mark. And to our audience on YouTube and on Pet Life Radio, thank you for spending your time with us. Here is to a life covered in pet hair because there's no better way to live. Cheers. To learn more about Covered in Pet Hair, please visit CoveredInPetHair.com or PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.